Hey, good morning, church. We're so glad that you joined us. Uh, thank you as we um, continue our series on the book of Isaiah, one of the great uh, prophetic books of all the Bible. This is the crown jewel of the major prophets in the Old Testament. So would you open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 52 and 53? Today we will be talking about the suffering servant of descent. So I'm using two and I'm combining two ideas. One is suffering servant, how uh, in Isaiah 53, which would later become Jesus, there would be the suffering servant who would bear the sin and the guilt of the people. And the second idea is he is his spirituality is one of the scent, that he's the one that humbles himself and goes down. Okay, And uh, generally in our society, uh, the idea of descent, of humbling yourself or lowering yourself or going down is not good. Uh, if the stock market is going down, uh, even though you may not have any stocks, uh, it's not good for the economy. If you're in school and your grade point average is going down, no bueno, it's not good, right? Uh, if your 401k or your retirement fund is going down, that's very bad. Uh, if your credit score is going down, uh, that's not good at all. Uh, if you're in business and the number of clients and sales are going down, uh, you're in trouble. If you're in the entertainment industry or you're a musician uh, and your popularity is going down, that's, that's bad. It's not going well for you. And if you're a UH football fan and the number of wins are beginning to go down, especially compared to last year, that's not good. So generally, the idea of something going down, it's not good. In our culture, it's bad. It's not a good thing. It's something that we want to avoid. Yet Jesus, the suffering servant, in his spirituality is one of descent. It's one of going down, of, of humbling himself, of lowering and posturing himself down. And which is good because this is what, basically what Christianity is all about. And this is what allows the gospel to be preached is Jesus' act of humility. Uh, we have this deep resistance to the notion of death and resurrection, but it is only the path to genuine transformation it's going downward, this death to yourself, death to pride, death to your preference, death to your sense of entitlement, death to your sense of rights and privileges, that resurrection and new life could come and be born. There's death and burial. And, um, you know, there's some spiritual truth that we just cannot uh, unlock unless we personally experience them. Uh, spiritual practices like Sabbath keeping, you can't really experience the benefit and joy of it unless you engage in a 24-hour day of seizing, of resting, of enjoying and meditating. Uh, same thing with prayer. Unless you wrestled with God, unless you commune with God and you feel the pressure or the pleasure of God and, and communicating and hearing God in a still small voice, then you won't really benefit from the practice of prayer. 
And it's similar to this idea of uh, a spirituality of the scent. This idea of going down, it doesn't really mean much until you actually engage in it. And then it becomes, begins to come alive. You see, we can mouth the words in Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgression. He was pierced for our iniquities. But it's just words. It needs to be lived out and it needs to be practiced. And so let's go to our text this morning in Isaiah chapter 53. Actually, we're going to go to Isaiah 52. Just a quick little intro for you. Uh, Isaiah. You guys know that even though the Bible is the inspired word of God, the chapters and sections, chapters and verses are not inspired. They were written by people. And so Isaiah chapter 53 is actually, uh, most scholars would think it's a bad break. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53 should start at uh, 52 verses uh, 13 through 15. But let's go ahead um, and read from our text, Isaiah chapter 52, see my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up, highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Now let's jump to verse 53. It starts with this idea of, uh, see, behold my servant. Verse 1, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Yet he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised. We held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we concerted him, punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the word of the Lord. So Isaiah chapter 53, it has um, five stanzas in Hebrew, and it actually has this rhythmic, um, Hebraic uh, rhythm and rhyme to it. And remember the, the context of this is that here is Isaiah, he's writing to people scattered throughout the Babylonian Empire, right? And they're scattered all throughout uh, Babylon, and it's about 550 to 600 BC before Christ uh, comes into the scene. Uh, the people of God are scattered and the Lord is going to come and deliver them. And Isaiah prophesies and say, hey, there's going to be a servant. There's going to be an anointed one. There's going to be a deliverer and he will save you and he will uh, redeem you and forgive you and restore you. 
So Isaiah is calling them back to Jerusalem. So the people there are suffering in, in Babylon, but yet somehow they're established. But the call for them is to leave everything that you have and go back to Jerusalem. Travel, depending where they're at in Babylon, 500 to 900 miles, trek and make their way back to Jerusalem. And they're going to lose everything. They're going to lose their status, their position, the, 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 the school the kids are in, the private school that their kids are in, their community, their security. They have to leave all that behind and go to Jerusalem. And guess what? Jerusalem is in shambles. It's the temple has been torn down. There are no jobs. There's no security. And it is a downward spirituality and they don't like it. And here comes Isaiah and Isaiah 52 speaking of a Messiah that's going to deliver them. And he's going to be a servant, but two things. He's going to be a suffering servant. He's going to be a servant of descent. And here's the main point that I want us to get through. Um, I could really break this down into two sections, but here's the main point regarding the suffering servant. Would you write this down? What Jesus has done has been done for us. Let me repeat that. What Jesus has done has been done for us. You see Isaiah chapter 53 starts off with this servant that he's going to be lonely, that nothing's really going to attract us to him, that there's nothing, there's no appearance that would draw us to him. There's nothing beauty, beautiful out of him. He's just going to be a lonely um, child, baby, born in a manger in a no unknown town in Nazareth. And this is the, the formation and the start of the servant. And in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, we begin to see here of who the servant is, this deliverer, that he has this downward descent into his spirituality. Isaiah tells us that he has borne sorrow and grief, that he was pierced for transgressions and he was crushed, he was punished, he was wounded. And there's a lot of things that are happening to him, a lot of terrible things. And there's a true curse that's happening to him. They're falling all over the Messiah, the anointed one. And Jesus is the suffering servant. He was absolutely afflicted. But what Jesus has done has been done for us. It's not just that Jesus bore grief or that he was pierced or he was crushed or that he was wounded. It's that he has borne our griefs, my grief, my sorrows, your sorrows, your griefs. He has borne them and he has carried our sorrows, that he was pierced for our transgressions, that he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and by his wounds we are healed. We be reap the benefits 
of his suffering. Look at, let's read verses four and five again and look at the first person personal pronouns over here. Verse four, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the road of the suffering servant that he has this downward spirituality and what he has done and what he has accomplished. He has accomplished and he's, it's done for you and for me. What Jesus has done has been done for us. And it's a lonely road. You know, in our devotions yesterday in Mark chapter 8, remember uh, Jesus tells Peter, hey, ask Peter and the disciples, who do people say that I am? And Peter responds, what? You are the Messiah. And then... After that, Jesus like, yes, exactly, Peter. And then he begins to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer, that he must die, and that he will resurrect on the third day. That the road to redemption and forgiveness and eternal life is through the downward spirituality of suffering and death and burial. And do you guys remember what Peter says? He rebukes Jesus. He tells him, this is not how we are. We're here to conquer. We're here to, um, to overtake. And we're the, the, the iron fist of the Roman rule. We're going to break that. And we're going to establish the kingdom of God forever. Remember what Jesus does? Jesus what? He rebukes him and tells him, get behind me, Satan. He says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. As we think about what the gospel is, as we think about what life is, oftentimes we're like Peter and we have earthly concerns on our minds. If I were God, I, you know, like, God, you know, if you just bless me and if you just make me wealthy and you make me uh, super successful, all these people will be drawn to you. Like you would be glorified in my health and my wealth and my prosperity. But Jesus says, hey, to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, because the road to eternal life is the road of downward spirituality. It's through suffering. And what Jesus does is that he's this innocent, blameless, holy Lamb of God who takes on the sins of the world. Jesus has borne your grief, my grief, your sorrows, my sorrows are the ones that he carried with him to the cross. 
my transgressions, your transgressions, all of our sins were the ones that pierced him and the ones for which Jesus paid. It was for me. It was for you. Jesus was crushed. He was slaughtered for my iniquities and your iniquities. It was a slaughter that I deserved. It was a punishment reserved for me, but he took it upon himself in my place so that I can be at peace with God. Jesus took care of the only barrier that would prevent us from a relationship with him, and that is sin. Jesus bore our sins on, upon himself. One of the main theological um, truths or principles that we have to hold on to is uh, penal substitution atonement. That Jesus um, died in our place, that he became our substitute, that he vicariously took on our sins. From Isaiah 53, over 2,500 years ago, maybe 3,000 years ago, to where you're at, where I'm at. May I encourage you right now that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. When I look back, when I replay the tape of my life, I deserve prison. When you think of all the things that you've done, think about even the things that you've thought of. You and I, we deserve divorce. We deserve poverty. We deserve sickness. We deserve death. We deserve separation from God. But because of the spiritual spirituality of the scent that Jesus had where he took on humility and Isaiah 52 it says that God the suffering servant is high and lifted up Isaiah 53 that he humbled himself and he took on death and at the end of chapter 53 it says he's raised and highly exalted may I encourage you Jesus said the student cannot be above his teacher a servant is not greater than his master. What happens to Christ happens to those who are in Christ. The Bible says in Timothy that if anybody desires to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. You will suffer right, you will suffer um, suffering for living a righteous life. If you want to live for God, you're going to have to go through the fire. You're going to have to pass through the waters and you're going to have to traverse through the flames. So what do we do with this suffering servant? Um, there's an old hymn that says, Jesus paid it all. And because he paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin, it left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. They modernized this old hymn and the, the tag or the bridge they added. Praise the one 
who paid our debt and raised our lives from the dead. Let me repeat that. Praise the one who paid our debt and raised our lives up from the dead. This is the path and the road to transformation. Guess what? You don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to carry your sorrow, your griefs, your regrets, your mistakes, your remorse, because Jesus carried it. He was pierced. He was wounded. He was crushed for my and your iniquities. He bore it all on the cross. Jesus died. Jesus' body was broken so that you and I don't have to live in brokenness. And we'll go ahead and receive our communion this morning. Every first Sunday of the month, we dedicate ourselves to partaking of the Lord's Supper. And as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper this morning, I want to remind us of two things. One is the way that we take it. Um, and the way that we take it uh, is with a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude. The Eucharist, I mentioned this before, it's from the Greek word Eucharistia, which means I give thanks. So inherent in the communion is this idea, and this notion that we are to approach God with a heart of thanksgiving being thankful that Jesus took our place, that the suffering servant humbled himself, came down, the, the, the God of the universe came down to this earth, this omnipotent, omnipresent, all-knowing, all-powerful God, he limited himself, took on skin and bones, took on weakness, understood pain, hunger, betrayal, suffering, so that he could identify with us in our weakness. So as we partake of the bread, let's have a heart of gratitude. And secondly, is self-examination. Examine yourself. Have you been carrying your griefs unnecessarily? Are you taking on sorrows that does not belong to you that Jesus already carried that Jesus already paid for that he already bore on the cross for you before you eat of the bread and drink of the cup this morning would you lay that down before the footstool of the cross receive grace and forgiveness that is in Christ for I received from the Lord which I now delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed he, he took the bread he broke it, he blessed it, he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we remember, O oh Lord Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, that you came to this earth, that you were forsaken by the Father, that your bones were crushed, Lord, that you suffered humiliation, you suffered excruciating pain that we deserved. You paid it all, O oh Lord God. 
So Father, I pray and I thank you, Lord Jesus, that because of your broken body, we could live in wholeness, that our lives don't have to be fractured by our past, doesn't have to be broken by regrets and mistakes, Lord, but there is fullness and wholeness in you. So Lord, as we eat this bread, may you give strength, may you give spiritual sustenance and grace, O Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and eat of the bread. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this, is, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink of this as often as you eat. For as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's go ahead and proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Let's drink the cup. Amen. Amen. Well, you guys, um, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for joining us for online church today. I know you have many options and you have many choices, but thank you for making a choice to be here, to hear God's word, to worship with us. Just want to say a big thank you to everybody who donated candy um, this week. Don't forget we have our women's ministry and we have our men on Thursday and men's ministry on Saturday morning. All right, well, we love you guys and go Rams.